G'day folks, welcome to episode 115 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week there's a huge 90 CVEs to go through in the weekly roundup of vulnerability fixes from the past week. So that's what we're going to spend most of our time on on this episode. Uh, during that we've got some updates for GNOME Auto AR, Thunderbird, uh, WebKit GTK, Exiv2, uh, the Linux kernel, MariaDB, and Flatpak as well to get through, plus some others. So let's just dive straight into that. So up first, there was an update for Exim for our, our 14.04 extended security maintenance and 16.04 uh, extended security maintenance customers. Uh, this is the uh, 21 nails vulnerabilities that I talked about back in last week's episode. So that has now rolled out to uh, those uh, older releases under extended security maintenance as well now. Uh, after that, there was an update for GNOME Auto AR. So this is a library that's used by uh, GNOME Shell and Nautilus and other GNOME components for uh, extracting archives. Now it's things like, you know, you right click and archive and say extract here, that kind of thing that gets handled by GNOME Auto AR. Uh, one CVE here, and this is for the 1804-2004 uh, long-term support releases respectively and 2010, the Groovy Gorilla. Uh, in this case, it's actually due to an incomplete fix for a previous CVE that we saw uh, earlier in the year. But in this case, it was due to uh, a directory traversal that uh, would allow uh, well, it would allow directory traversal through symlinks that were contained within the archive. So it wasn't properly detecting those and then handling those and you know walking outside of the directory it was supposed to be extracting into. So that was fixed. As well, uh, there was an update for Thunderbird. Uh, five different CVEs were fixed in this for the 2004 long-term support and 2010, the more recent uh, releases there. Uh, this is updating to the latest upstream release 78.8.1. And you know, Thunderbird being based on Firefox, this inherits a bunch of different CVE fixes that have gone into Firefox in the past. But uh, there was one particular Thunderbird uh, CVE there around the handling of PGP keys. And so if you remember, Thunderbird has uh, recently, in the more recent releases, re-implemented PGP handling and it's not handled by the Enigmail plugin anymore. And so in this case, they would store uh, the private PGP key in memory and uh, it should be unloaded on uh, once that's finished being used. But if uh, an error was occurred during that, it would keep it in memory. And so that would mean that, you know, if you could dump out the memory from Thunderbird, you could read that private PGP key and, you know, it's been unlocked at that point as well. So, uh, but we did treat this as a low priority only because on Ubuntu, we ship uh, the Yama uh, LSM, Linux Security Module, which implements uh, ptrace restrictions in particular the ptrace scope parameter and this means that processes can only uh, ptrace other processes which are direct descendants of them unless you've gone and changed that default and so that means that you know you can't say you know your firefox can't be exploited and then dump out the memory of your thunderbird it's highly unlikely that you used firefox to launch thunderbird so yeah that uh, you know shows that some of these hardening features that we ship do have a good impact on reducing uh, the impact of some of these vulnerabilities that we see after that was an update for Unbound. This included 13 different CVEs in this for the 1804 long-term support and 24 long-term support releases respectively. Uh, this is uh, you know, one of these other validating recursive DNS resolvers and included a heap of different fixes for things like uh, remote denial of service or command injection, um, remote code execution, local file overwrites, uh, all the usual things that we see uh, in these kind of applications. So yeah, your Unbounds are a bit safer now. 
As well, there was an update for WebKit GTK, three different CVs. Again, this is for 1804 long-term support, 204 long-term support, and the 2010 Groovy Gorilla. Uh, one of these was a logic issue, and the other two were memory corruption bugs, but all of them could lead to possible remote code execution, or at least that is how uh, Apple in their upstream WebKit advisories describe these. So they have been fixed too. After that was an update for PyYAML, uh, this is uh, remote code execution when processing untrusted YAML files. And again, this was due to an incomplete fix for a previous CV there too. Uh, that one, that CV was not actually specifically patched in Ubuntu because uh, the versions of PyYAML that we had were either for older releases where it didn't ship that code or they were newer versions where it had already been fixed. Um, moving on, we had an update for EXIF2. This is the library for handling uh, EXIF and uh, XMP uh, metadata and that kind of thing. Uh, in this case, it was a heap buffer overflow or potential out-of-bounds read when writing metadata. So uh, you know, unlike could be triggered just by, say, viewing you know, a malicious image or something like that. Uh, but there was one uh, there was one heap buffer overflow, should I say, in handling of uh, EXIF data in JPEG images. Uh, and that, again, that did happen on read. So, yeah, there was one case there where you may get possible code execution. Again, that has been fixed for EXIF2. Uh, Firefox was also updated to 88.0.1, the latest upstream release. Uh, in this case, just one CVE here where uh, the upstream Mozilla described this as a race condition on destruction of web render components. Uh, that makes me wonder, is it a possible use after free and therefore possible code execution? But you know, again, not too many details provided by this from Mozilla, but that has been updated for all of our uh, later supported releases. Xtreme as well has been updated. Uh, I talked about this back in episode 102, this vulnerability. In that case, um, that was for the Bionic and Focal releases. That's 1804 and 24 long-term support. We've now rolled that into uh, the 20.10 release, the Groovy Gorilla, plus a heap of other fixes as well. Things like uh, denial of service attacks, arbitrary code execution, arbitrary file deletion, server-side request forgery, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's it. Uh, Xtreme, the library used, uh, or Java library, should I say, used for uh, handling of XML. MariaDB was also updated, and in particular, I want to call out to uh, Otto Kekalainen for um, preparing these for us uh, from the Ubuntu community. Uh, here's from the MariaDB Foundation. And so this uh, is for a heap of different uh, fixes for uh, 1804 long-term support, 24 long-term support, 2010 and 2104, um, our latest uh, standard support release, the Hasut Hippo. Um, so yeah, these have been updated again to the latest upstream point releases. So thanks again, Otto, for preparing those. And so uh, the next big update that we had uh, is for all the different kernel releases across all of our different supported releases. And so I'm not going to uh, dive into too much detail there because I'm sure it would get quite boring and repetitive. But um, I do want to call out in particular to the kernel team and Tedo Cascado uh, from the kernel team for handling uh, the interface between us and them on a lot of this. And I guess the most interesting vulnerabilities that were fixed here were um, three different ones that uh, came out of Pwn to Own. So you, uh, you may recall in uh, an episode a few weeks ago, I talked about how Ubuntu was uh, you know, one of the platforms that was in Pwn to Own and was available for people to come and pwn it. And uh, in that case, uh, there were three different uh, researchers who came and found uh, local user privilege escalation vulnerabilities and demonstrated those and were able to you know, exploit those to get root privilege, root privilege escalation. 
and they were uh, Rio Toshiga. He found an eBPF ring buffer um, uh, vulnerability. Manfred Paul, who actually uh, was able to exploit uh, Ubuntu in the previous year's Pwn to Own, and again found an eBPF-related issue, and this was in tra- uh, bounce tracking on Bitwise operations. And Billy Jeng Bing Jong, uh, that was in the uh, latest uh, IOU ring subsystem. Uh, and I said latest, I guess, because um, it's interesting to me that these are eBPF and IOU ring are all relatively new uh, subsystems within the kernel. And I guess clearly, you know, the newest code is likely where the most vulnerabilities that haven't yet been found are lurking. But in this case, all of those uh, were able to, uh, or, or in each of these cases, they were able to find an information leak and then an out-of-bounds write, which then would allow them to you know, overwrite, say, creds or other structures within the kernel to give them uh, privilege escalation and then obviously get code execution as root. So they've been fixed uh, across uh, all the affected kernels. Uh, as well, um, the other one that came out this week was an issue affecting just the 5.11 kernel, and this is so therefore just the uh, 2104 release. Uh, this is in the CAN ISOTP um, subsystem. This is for handling of CAN frames. So if you are in automotive or anything like that, this may be of relevance to you. Uh, and this was actually discovered by uh, Norbert Slizarek. Uh, he's a high school student in Germany. Uh, so that is pretty cool for someone in high school finding this, uh, leading again to local privilege escalation. Uh, this was introduced via some recent uh, broadcast mode support that was added uh, to that subsystem. So uh, normally with uh, the CAN protocol, as a receiver, you register essentially a CAN ID. It's a little bit like, say, a UDP or TCP port number. And then for you only get uh, you know frames that are destined to that CAN ID. But this broadcast support allows you to, say, register and you know say it's a bit like promiscuous mode on Wi-Fi. You kind of get all the frames coming in. And uh, so this support only affected uh, the 5.11 kernel because that's where it got merged. It wasn't backported to any of the previous ones. And so to fix this, we've actually just turned off that support. We've backed out that uh, in this kernel. Uh, we will be putting that back in. That is the broadcast mode support when there is a more appropriate fix from upstream that actually fixes this vulnerability. Uh, but again, I want to uh, shout out to Tedo Cascado from the kernel team for kind of making the call on that one. Uh, that was a really wise move. So thanks in particular to the whole kernel team uh, for all their heavy lifting that they do on getting these vulnerability fixes out. Uh, you know, we seem to be doing not just the three weekly uh, state will release updates for the kernels but there seems to be at least one emergency kernel uh, in between each time as well so there's a lot and a lot of work that the kernel team is doing to keep all of our ubuntu users secure and so yeah i just really want to shout out to them and say thanks guys uh, you do awesome work and you really do help keep ubuntu secure Okay, uh, the last update this week was for Flatpak, uh, one CVE here that affected uh, the 1804, 24 long-term support releases, and 2010. In this case, it was a file folding issue. And so uh, if you're familiar with the way uh, desktop applications work, they ship a uh, .desktop file that describes essentially how to launch the application, what binary to launch, and whether it takes, uh, say, you know, like a, a file name as a command line argument. So you could say launch, you know, you could double click a file and it would get launched with that file opened automatically in it, that kind of thing. Uh, and you can put in kind of special parameters into these to have special different handling happen. And the way that Flatpak works is the application gets to ship that desktop file directly itself. It tries to sanitize it, uh, but it doesn't do a lot more. And so as an application developer, you could include uh, some essentially malicious parts in there that would get misinterpreted and that would allow uh, you then to... Uh, to get uh, or open up files that weren't initially provided to the uh, your confined application and you know, within that sandbox that Flatpak sets up. 
And so uh, we take a slightly different approach in, say, SnapD. You know, often Flatpak and SnapD get compared to each other. In SnapD, we generate uh, those desktop files directly ourselves. So there's a bit less chance that this kind of thing could happen in uh, SnapD because we take a little more of a defensive approach there. Uh, but it is interesting to see that, you know, even though we have these containerization technologies and the like, there are still you know, vulnerabilities that can occur. All right, uh, so that is it for the week in security updates. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is that we are still hiring. Uh, we've got open a position in our certifications team as well as an Ubuntu security generalist. And so I've got links to both of those in the show notes. I urge you, if you are interested, check those out and apply. We would love to have you as part of our team. All right, so that takes us to the end of this week's show. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can email us at securityubuntu.com. We do also hang out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network, as well as there's a security section on discourse.ubuntu.com if you want to create a topic there. Or we are on Twitter too, at Ubuntu underscore sec. So it's been great doing this all again for you. Uh, Remember, until next time, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.